Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to an all-new episode of the Metropolitan Report. My name, if you didn't know by now, is Alfred Parsar Jr., and this is the Destination Podcast for any and every New York Met fan, where we talk about any and everything New York Mets. Today is Sunday, May 23rd, 2021, and just a reminder, the Metropolitan Report is a proud member of the Studious Minds Podcast Network. On today's program, we're going to talk about the past two weeks uh, since we last had an edition of the Metropolitan Report, things that have gone on, things we've liked, things we didn't like, and things that concern us. Uh, before we begin with the program, though, I would like to apologize. Um, there has been uh, a couple of issues going on here in the studio, but the Metropolitan Report is back. I do apologize that it's been 15 days since the last report, but we are back here to stay, and we're rocking and rolling. With that being said... It's Sunday, May 23rd. It is 9 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Time, New York Time. The Mets play the Marlins today at 1.10 p.m. And coming into today, the New York Mets are playing a first-place baseball. Yes, you heard that right. First-place baseball, ladies and gentlemen. The New York Mets stand at 21-18 and 18 with a win percentage of 538. Coming into today's action... Uh, They lead both the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies by two and a half games apiece. And the Mets are the only team in the National League East above 500. Now at 21 and 18 and you're up two and a half games, could it be because the division stinks? Are we playing in the National League least? The NL least? Who knows? I mean, Washington, 19 and 23. Miami, who we played today, 21 and 24. And then Atlanta and Philadelphia tied 22 and 24. I mean, I'll I'll take a first place uh, any day. I'm not going to argue with the best team in the National League East. Are we the St. Louis Cardinals who lead the Central 26 and 19? No. Are we the Padres that lead the West 29 and 17? No. But... I'll always take first place over the seller. I'll always take first place over second place. However, the Mets may be in first place, but it comes at a cost. The following players have been put on the injured list since the last edition of the Metropolitan Report on May 8th. Jacob deGrom, Taiwan Walker, Brandon Nimmo, J.D. Davis, Albert Almora, Kevin Pillar, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto. Like, do you, do you, do you see do you see where we're going here? These are all guys that, that we need. It's 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 getting rough. It's getting real rough. Our ace, our third best starting pitcher. Not to mention Seth Lugo, Carlos Carrasco, and Noah Syndergaard were all on the injured list when the when the regular season started. Lugo and Syndergaard have been on the injured list since spring training. Carrasco since spring training. Dylan Batances only made one appearance, he, and he went to the IL. So the Mets, this Mets club, is very very banged up. Luis Guillorme, also on the I.L. Tommy Hunter, also on the I.L. 
So this is this is bad. Stephen Tarpley just uh, just came off the IL. He was on the COVID injured list, reactivated today. So how are the Mets in first place, may you ask? With all these injuries, it's been it's due to the collective known as the bench mob. Tomas Nito, before they went to the injured list, Kevin Pillar, Jonathan VR. Look at Friday night against the Marlins, the rookies. Khalil Lee, first big league hit is a go-ahead double. I'll I'll talk about Khalil Lee in just a second because I have my thoughts and opinions on Khalil Lee. Janeshwi Fargus, who's batting 294. Fargus hit 300 in spring training and didn't even make the 40-man roster. The only reason why he's even made it to the show now is because of all the injuries and that kid's got talent when uh Nimmo and Conforto and the rest of the gang come back uh Fargus won't even have a spot in the organization I don't believe and then Jake oh poor poor Jake Hager poor Jake Hager sad story about Jake Hager so for those of you Met fans who watched Friday's game or paid attention to it in that crazy 12th inning finale against the Marlins. Jake Hager got his first big league hit. It was a single up the middle, an RBI single. First big league hit. And what happens? Because the Mets burned their whole bullpen in that game Friday, and they needed to bring up Jordan Yamamoto, and, and they needed a roster spot for Steven Tarpley, they had to DFA Jake Hager. How bittersweet is that? You get your first big league hit. It's an RBI hit in a come-from-behind win in extra innings. And the very next day, you're told, you're not going down to the minors. You're just no longer in the organization. The only way you'll stay in the organization is if nobody claims you off waivers. Which is kind of messed up. Well, I guess that was the Mets' way of uh, telling Jake Hager, well, thanks for coming, kid. So, uh, poor Jake Hager. I would have loved to have seen him stick around. Luis Rojas was quoted uh, in the media before yesterday's game as saying that he was sad to see Hager go and that uh, he, he enjoyed having Hager on the club because he was one of the, the bigger uh, hitters they had um, in Syracuse in AAA. But uh, how else have the Mets stayed in first place? How about the king of the RBI fielder's choice, Mr. Patrick Mazika? Patrick Mazika had a great week. Uh, if we want to do a little flashback. Of course, on May 7th, um, Mazika had the walk-off RBI fielder's choice against Arizona that won the Mets the game. And then on Sunday the 9th, also against Arizona, he came up to the plate in a pinch hit appearance. Uh, bases were loaded, and he drew an RBI walk. And then on Tuesday the 11th against the Baltimore Orioles, who else do you call when the game's on the line, runners on second and third? You have nobody out. You call Patrick Mazika. And again, RBI fielder's choice. Jonathan VR scores on a ball that was maybe hit three feet up the line. And Mazika walks it off again. 
And he finally got his first major league hit last weekend uh, in Tampa. Even though the Mets lost against the Rays, they got swept that weekend. Still in first place, though. But Patrick Mazika now has a registered hit. Four RBIs on the season. That man, uh, listen, with McCann and Nito on the roster, he'll never play an inning at, or even a third of an inning at catcher. He's purely going to be a pinch hit guy. He's already a fan favorite in City Field. Uh, in the second game against the Orioles on Wednesday, on May 12th, he came up to the plate to pinch hit and got a standing ovation from the faithful at City Field. Uh, he's already a fan favorite, but once this roster comes back, once J.D. Davis, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo come back, Mazika's as good as gone. I think Ron Darling said it best that he feels like he's watching a game in Port St. Lucie. Because all these guys, uh, Janeshwi Fargus, Wilfredo Tovar, Patrick Mazika, they all have these high numbers on their jerseys. Typically in spring training, when you got guys who you know aren't going to make the team, but they have to have a jersey to play, they assign them any old random high number. 86, 76, 77, 88, 91. Typically, jersey numbers that these that, that don't typically get worn. But the Mets can't afford any more injuries. Uh, Kevin Pillar was a freak accident. Uh, Jacob Webb of the Atlanta Braves, the reliever, clocked Kevin Pillar uh, with a 94-mile-per-hour fastball right on the bridge of the nose. Uh, Pilar has several fractures in both his nose and his face overall. He did have surgery a couple days ago, and we wish Kevin Pilar a speedy recovery. Uh, Albert Almora, another freak accident uh, in in that game against the Orioles, the first game on the 11th of May. Uh, Albert Almora was trying to make a play on a ball that was hit into center field, and this just goes to show what type of teammate Albert Almora is. Uh, He tried to make that play was running full speed, actually caught the ball, and then crashed smack face forward into the wall. Uh, I was in the stands for that game, and I was sitting in right field uh, where Michael Conforto is, and when I heard the impact, you would have thought somebody got ran over by a car. Huge thud. Uh, Almora had a knee contusion, uh, some neck pain. They put him on the 10-day I.L., Taiwan Walker had a tightness in the side. Same thing that afflicted Jacob DeGrom. Uh, DeGrom actually has been throwing uh, some innings down in St. Lucie in the minors and rehab assignment. So that's a good sign. He should be off the injured list soon. And uh, the Mets definitely could use him. I mean, even though we're in first. But, you know, you want to win as many games as you can early on. Uh, Nimmo has that, uh, that bone bruise in his finger. Uh, J.D. Davis banged up, like I said. Uh, Pete Alonso uh, has a hand injury. So it's not looking good. For the first time in years, we saw Dom Smith play first base. Dom Smith, of course, had to move to left field because you can't you can't take Pete out. Pete has to be in the lineup. But this, this Mets team is banged up, and, and somehow the resiliency is just amazing. Like, they just find ways to win games. Uh, the pitching, the bullpen, I gotta admit, Jerry's familiar. Jerry's familiar. 
Who would have thought Jerry's familiar after all these years and everybody saying he's washed and he's no longer he's no longer a, a factor. Jerry's familiar is one of the the better relievers the Mets have in their bullpen. He's pitched 14 and two thirds innings. He's got 16 strikeouts, uh, uh, ERA of almost two and a half, and he's a two and zero win loss. Familiar, not looking bad. Um. Aaron Loop, on the other hand, and I know I've mentioned this guy before, but Aaron Loop at times is shaky. That game against the uh, the Marlins on Friday night, I was I was concerned. Uh, the Mets have made a, a roster move because again, Conforto is is a right fielder; he's gone. Albert Almora was the backup center fielder. Kevin Pillar was another backup outfielder, and Brandon Nimmo was your everyday center fielder. That's four outfielders, and Dom has moved to first now that Pete is out. So you're down technically five. So the Mets have traded cash considerations to the Chicago Cubs for Cameron Mabin. Cameron Mabin, good pickup because he is a veteran. He did win a World Series. Now, now, hold on before. I know everybody's going to say, hey, Cameron Mabin won a World Series with the Astros in 2017. You know, with the uh, bang the trash can scandal, but say what you will. He has World Series experience. He's a guy who knows what it takes to get a ring. I know everybody remembers that 11th inning where he had, in Game 2 of the 2017 World Series, he had that pinch hit single in the 11th inning and stole second base before George Springer walked it off. So Cameron Mabin does know what it takes to, to, to get it done in a championship setting, which is important because other than Albert Almora, nobody else on this roster has a World Series. I mean, DeGrom and Syndergaard have, and Conforto have played in, in the World Series, but they didn't win the World Series. So Cameron Mabin, and come to find out, those cash considerations was only a dollar. So I guess the Cubs didn't value Cameron Mabin if the check cleared for one dollar and they sent him to Flushing, but hey. It is what it is. The Mets couple guys still slumping and you know who I'm about to talk about the 341 million dollar man Francisco Lindor still batting under the Mendoza line for those of you who don't know baseball lingo the Mendoza line is a batting average of below 220 the 341 million dollar franchise player batting 200 Three homers, nine RBIs. I'm not even going to rip Lindor because the team is in first place. If the team wasn't in first place, I would have more to say, but it's like beating a dead horse at this point. You know what I'm going to do? Because now, here in New York City, the weather is starting to get warmer. It's supposed to reach 90 degrees today. The Mets have a homestand coming up. They'll be home Monday against Colorado. So you know what that means? Since they'll be home, and they're going to be home for a long time because Monday they play Colorado, and they're home from Monday all the way through Sunday because after Colorado on Thursday, the Braves come to town on Friday. So the next seven games are at home. 
And the wet, and everybody said, oh, it's cold, it's April, it's early May, it's cold. The ball dies in the outfield, the wind, and all this foolishness. Give Lindor a break, wait till the weather gets warmer. Well, you know what? It's warm now. So I demand results, okay? Granted, Friday night he did have a, a good game. He had two hits, including a double, but he is playing in Miami where it's warm. But uh, it's time to see the results. Now, granted, yes, I, 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 I live and breathe, eat and sleep orange and blue. However, when we've got a player who's not doing what he's supposed to do, or not doing what he's paid to do, or in this case, not living up to the amount of money that he was given... And his track record does speak for itself, but still, I will call him out. But Lindor can't be hitting below the Mendoza line. We're not paying you all this money to play defense. We don't need Ray Ordonez 2.0. But the Mets, and, and they're winning games. I give them credit, even though the offense... It's still kind of sluggish. The offense gets going late. And, and again, it's a shame. Janeshwi Fargus, once all these guys come back. And it's funny because Fargus wasn't even on the 40-man roster. They were very hesitant to put him on the 40-man roster. But when all these guys started going down, Fargus had to do something. Fargus batting 294, like I said earlier. I'm very impressed with that young man. But when the roster comes back to full strength, Wilfredo Tovar, Patrick Mazika, Fargus, and Khalil Lee all will no longer be in the show. Speaking of Khalil Lee, after the break, I'm going to give you my thoughts on what Major League Baseball has deemed the seventh best prospect in all of baseball. You're listening to the Metropolitan Report. I am Alfred Parsar Jr. This is the Studious Minds Podcast Network. We'll be right back. What's up, y'all? This is Barry Grant Jr., host of the All Even Podcast. I'm tuning in with my man, Alfred, host of the Metropolitan Report. That's the only place that I get my Mets news from. Tap in. Because trust me, that's crazy. Do you have an event that needs a design? How about planning? You can take care of all your event needs with ARJ Signature Design, run by Alnisa Reed Jenkins, where you can get custom floral designs, event designs, set designs, as well as retail and commercial installs. You can get all that done by Alnisa Reed Jenkins of ARJ Signature Design, with event planning and event designing, and is also a family-run business. Again, that's ARJ Signature Design, and you can go ahead and get your free consultation by contacting Miss Reed Jenkins at arjsignaturedesign.com. They do a great job, and again, if you need any event florals, custom floral designs, or set design, whether you're commercial, retail, or personal, ARJ Signature Design can get the job done for you. Again, that's arjsignaturedesign.com for your free consultation now. 
And we're back on the Metropolitan Report. I am Alfred Parsar Jr. And I did say before the break we were going to talk about Khalil Lee. Who is Khalil Lee? He is the seventh ranked prospect in all of baseball right now as ranked by Major League Baseball and the good people at Baseball America. Khalil Lee was acquired by the Mets in the three-team trade between the Mets, the Boston Red Sox, and the Kansas City Royals that saw Andrew Benintendi go from the Red Sox to the Royals. In turn, the Royals sent a player to the Mets, who was to be named later. Come to find out, it was Khalil Lee. Now, on this program in the past, you guys have heard me have some choice comments for one David Peterson. After seeing Khalil Lee play in these last few games, I now have some choice comments for Khalil Lee. Khalil Lee is not ready for the show. By the way, the show is baseball people speak for the majors. Just in case you didn't. Khalil Lee right now is not a Major League Baseball player. Now, I know what everybody's going to say. Oh, you're being too rough on him. Oh, he was a prize prospect. Did you not watch the All-Star Futures games of the last few years? Yes, I did watch the All-Star Futures games. But you know what Khalil Lee reminds me of? He was the big fish in the little pond. What do I mean by that? In the minors, unless it's a guy in the majors who's on a rehab start, or it's a guy who previously pitched in the majors and is trying to find his way back to the majors, and he just happens to be in the minors, in AAA and AA, you don't really get the same velocity. You don't really get the same break on pitches that you would see when you get to the show. Now, Khalil Lee has the distinction of being the only New York Met in the history of the New York Mets, 1962 to present, for those of you who don't know, to start his major league career 0 for 8 with all 8 plate appearances being strikeouts. Why does that stand out? Because it's not like he grounded out. He didn't line out. He didn't fly out. The ball wasn't put in play. He swung three times. He missed three times. The ball went from the pitcher's hand to the catcher's hand. And there was a big whiff of a bat in between all eight times. Now, I know what everybody's going to say. Oh, well, did you see the game Friday? He had that go-ahead RBI double. Anybody can get a lucky hit. And what did he do in yesterday's game? Another offer. He's had one hit this entire stint in the bigs. In 13 at-bats, he's had one hit. Granted, it was a key hit. Without that hit, the Mets don't win on Friday night. But in five games, he's had 13 at-bats, one hit, 
one RBI, an average of .077. Now, yes, Khalili is young. I'm not saying he, the kid is never going to pan out. That's not what I'm saying. I am not saying he's going to pan out. But if he were in any other organization in Major League Baseball, he would not be on the roster. He's only on the roster right now out of necessity because there is a need for a body. Khalili is an outfielder. Look at all the outfielders that are gone. Because Pete Alonso was hurt, we said it earlier, Dom Smith had to leave left field to go to first base because there's no other first baseman on the team other than Patrick Mazika. And I don't think Rojas wants to play him. Almora, Pilar, Nimmo, Conforto, and even McNeil, who even though he's a second baseman, can play the outfield too. Once this roster is healthy again, I don't think we even see Khalil Lee the rest of the season. But he's not ready for the show. I'm glad he's a prized prospect. I'm glad that we have the 7th ranked prospect in all of baseball in our system. However, he's not ready for the bright lights of the majors yet. It's evident. 0 for 8 for his first 8. All 8 Ks. Gotta be better than that to get to the show. If I had to pick between him or even even though they DFA'd Jake Hager or Janeshwi Fargus, I'd pick the other two before I pick Khalil Lee. I'd pick Wilfredo Tovar before I pick Khalil Lee. Khalil Lee ain't ready. And I stand by that. One last thought before we wrap up today's show. The Mets, with all these injuries, they have 16 players on the injured list. They are the most injured team in baseball right now. And if you think about the totality of the season so far, you know the opening series against the Nationals was postponed due to COVID issues with Washington. Not to mention the numerous weather delays and postponements that plagued the Mets throughout April And now the injury bug wiping the team out left and right. I actually got to give some credit to Luis Rojas. Now I know I've said on this show before, I'm I'm iffy on Rojas at times. But you got to have some type of gumption as a manager. Where, and granted, I, I did say it earlier. The NL East is probably the weakest division in all of baseball right now. The NL East. But to have all your, more than half of your opening day roster on the injured list, key players at that, Conforto, Alonso, McNeil, Davis, Nimmo, DeGrom. Did I forget DeGrom? And Taiwan Walker. And you still manage to win games. And you still manage to be above 500. 
and you still manage to you still manage to be in first place that says something now don't get me wrong Luis Rojas is not a Joe Girardi he's not a Aaron Boone he's not a Tony Larusa he's not a Dave Roberts don't get me wrong but for as much as I criticized Luis Rojas. And I know he was never a player. He does come from a baseball family. His his brother, Moises Alou, is one of the greatest hitters I've ever seen in my lifetime with my own two eyes. I, I remember going to Shea when he played for the Mets and saw Moises Alou play. And then his father, Felipe Alou, one of the best managers of all time. So I actually got to give Luis Rojas some credit and some respect. The ace of the pitching staff goes down. Your biggest slugger at first base goes down. Your whole outfield core is practically depleted. But yet, you're still in first place. That, that to me, that's, that's resilience on, 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 the, on the part of the team. And that's good managing, because again, even though Rojas made some questionable decisions yesterday by taking out Joey Lucchese after only four innings, Rojas went on to say that because it's a bullpen game, that's why he pulled Lucchese. Uh, Lucchese's been working out of the bullpen, so he didn't want to overwork him. Okay. Understood. But then also there have been moments where Rojas is managing just makes him look bad. Getting swept by the Tampa Bay Rays, who are not even competitive in their own division, that didn't help. Getting swept by the the cellar-dwelling Cubs in the National League Central, that doesn't help. But this little run that the Mets have been on I can I can respect it. If you look at the recent string of, of Mets games or even the entire month of May, you you beat the Phillies in a series. St. Louis beats us in a series. You sweep Arizona, you sweep Baltimore, you got swept by the Rays, you take two or three from, from the Braves, and then today we go for the series win against the Marlins before we host at home uh, the Rockies for four and then the Braves for three. By the way, um, I will be in attendance for all three of those Atlanta Braves games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday coming up. And if the Mets can win a majority of those games, I do believe that they'll beat Miami today. I believe that they have the ability to take three out of four from Colorado. Granted, when the Mets, uh, they played the Rockies in Coors Field uh, back in April... They took two of three. I believe they could take three of four uh, this week coming up. And then the Braves, who were supposed to be the class of this division, the National League East or the NL East, if you will, uh, they're not playing up to par. And they have Marcelo Zuna, Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, and Ronald Acuna and can't find a way to win games to save their lives. I think the Mets can take two or three from them. So we'll see what happens. And I've said everything that there is to say, and the only thing else left to say is, 
Let's go Mets!